You're listening to Renew Economy's weekly podcast, an update on clean energy and climate policy. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, leading energy market analyst, David Leach. So welcome to our final podcast of the year. This is going to be a review of 2016 and some of the major developments in the past 12 months and a bit of a throw forward to what we think is going to happen in 2017. And we're going to have a look at some of the technology uh, developments, solar and storage in particularly, and some of the politics that um, surrounds it and um, possibly also some of the rules and regulations and policies. David, um, how are you this fine day? Uh, Very well, thanks, Giles, and looking forward to this brief review and look forward to 2017. Indeed. Well, let's get 2016 out of the way first. And um, look, I guess the signature event of the year was the the US presidential poll and the election of Donald Trump. I'm probably going to handball that one to the 2017 because um, as dramatic and important as it was and may be, um, his uh, new secretaries, his new cabinet doesn't take power until after January the 20th. And while we can have a reasonable summation about what that may involve, we don't know yet. But actual things that happened in 2016, David, um, to you, what's top of mind? Well, there's so many things happened uh, that we want to run through. But the one I'm going to start with is the increase in the global temperature, which is up one degree for the past 12 months. Um, that's relative to a global 20th century average of about 13.7 C, so that's about 5%. That, that's a terrible outcome. Uh, the warming at the poles is, of course, worse. Um, the North and South Pole are melting. Um, oh, yeah, 33 degrees above um, average, some of the temperatures have been I've read recently. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and so after Trump... Uh, and then, of course, the other things that are very exciting, more exciting... Uh, I guess the um, uh, huge increase in solar PV output this year up to 74 gigawatts, something like a 45% increase, leading to dramatic falls in PV prices, uh, rapid growth in electric vehicles up to 600,000, and uh, something like 30 battery suppliers for residential storage in Australia. Indeed. Let's go through the solar PV prices first. Um, They've cut down to about $30 a megawatt hour US um, in Abu Dhabi. In fact, less than that. I think actually the price is more like $24 a megawatt hour in the first couple of years. That's an extraordinary price. What does this mean? And um, um, yeah, globally, we've seen... um, low wind prices in um, around the world as well, um, around about the same level. Yeah, and those prices uh, are achieved on the back of a lot of confidence, um, reverse auction style um, tariffs and, and very low cost of capital. Um, since the Trump election, global interest rates have ridden 30, 40, 50 basis points, which is going to increase the cost of capital. Um, and it's going to be a lot harder to glow from 75 gigawatts of global PV production to 150, uh, which means that cost reductions are harder to come by from here on. But the prices in Australia should certainly be a lot lower. Yeah, well, we saw some reduction with the Arena Large Scale Solar funding round, and um, I guess they're claiming reductions of about 30 to 40 percent. But that's probably because there hasn't been much solar PV um, built in Australia, although that's probably an excuse that can be. Um, that can be made by Abu Dhabi as well, but it seems to be much harder in Australia to get this um, to get this cost reduction down. 
we're still even even now after all those reductions probably at about $90 a megawatt hour or $100 a megawatt hour uh, yeah that that's right and um, I don't know what you think Giles but uh, so much of 2016 was about batteries and I look forward with confidence I think the um, seeds have been fully sown and the shoots are starting to emerge that are going to see an acceleration EVs an acceleration household storage and quite a lot of utility uh, storage are in 2017. I think Bloomberg New Energy Finance was talking about 750 megawatt hours of uh, storage at utility scale around the world. That's reasonably significant. And um, I guess one of the big things we did see this year was the battery storage costs falling. The um, introduction of the Tesla Powerwall 2 um, just a couple of months ago that heralded the fact that battery storage prices have actually fallen by one half in 12 months. Uh, time frame that many people in the industry and the conservative side of the industry would have thought would not happen for at least five years. Um, and that's going to have a huge impact, um, as you say, in industrial storage and in residential storage. And one of the interesting things we've also seen in Australia is the uh, rollout of a couple of trials. Um, AGL are putting in a thousand batteries into people's homes in South Australia, trying to create a virtual power plant. Um, this may well be something that we see in the future. And SA Power Networks have put a different trial, which is 100 batteries pulled together to basically offset the needs of building more poles and wires or installing new transformers as they get old or maybe wait under the pressure of um, population expansion in a certain area. So these are all very significant developments and um, one that we'll probably touch on when we talk about 2017. Yeah, that's right. So if we look at residential storage in Australia, uh, you can now buy two products or at least one, the GCLE one, 5.6 kilowatt hours that's for $650 a kilowatt hour uh, capital cost and with the fall in residential PV prices uh, about 20% this year you can now put a, a 4 kilowatt system with 5.6 kilowatt hours of storage in your house for about 10,000 bucks I reckon that's about less than half of what it was 18 months ago it's extraordinary uh, and I reckon those prices are going to fall down too because the Tesla Powerwall, even though it's heralded a 50% price fall, um, those products are not actually going to be available in Australia until about February or March. So some of those prices that you've quoted have come from manufacturers who are holding their line pretty much um, until the Powerwall actually arrives in Australia. So once it does arrive, they're going to have to um, bring down the prices. And so we're going to see bigger falls, which... As the CSIRO and the Networks um, Owners Review and the Finkel Review has also guided us, um, signals the beginning of a very rapid change in the structure of our energy markets, um, shifting away from centralised generation to the decentralised generation, the energy democracy, if you like, where one day and not too far in the distance future, um, half, of our, half of all of our generation may come from households and, uh, and businesses who find it simply a cheaper alternative to the grid and puts the emphasis on the grid to probably um, reshape its business model to stay relevant and to keep what role it will hopefully have in the future um, cost competitive. Yeah, so so if we look globally, there's something um, like a fourfold increase in battery manufacturing capacity. Um, we saw the 200 megawatts in the UK uh, for frequency, fast frequency control 
all went to storage. Um, and and so that that's I, basically, I think the future for storage is very exciting. Yeah, and I think that's come out from the South Australian blackout, which is the other big story we've had in Australia, of course, because um, that was a major political event. It's terribly inconvenient from the um, from the point of view of the people affected. But it's kind of had, um, you know, the initial reaction was, well, this is proof that wind and solar doesn't work. This is proof that we shouldn't have renewable energy targets. This is proof that we should keep coal and gas-fired generation in place. Um, but looking at some of the reports that have been that spun out from this, like the Finkel review. It's kind of actually more told us the story that the grid that we've had in Australia we continue to run is old, it's clunky, it's dirty, it's expensive, it's inefficient, and we really should be looking at smarter technologies. And battery storage is probably one of them, smart controls is another, and a whole bunch of different things. Um, it's, um, it actually might be a good thing. I'd agree with that. Although we do have to remember all the businesses that lost a lot of money during that blackout. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to feel for the people at the Portland smelter who, as a result of another blackout, uh, just in their little local area, have lost a whole pot line. But if we look forward, I, th- I think that more broadly, I agree with you very strongly that the blackout in South Australia is actually the best thing that's happened to the Australian electricity industry and the best opportunity to move forward that we've had in about 20 years. I, I-, I very much hope that hmm. in 2070, We'll say one utility scale storage project and maybe as much as, I don't know, 100 megawatt hours of household storage. I mean, Enphase has got 80,000 orders according to their own press releases, uh, which is about 80 megawatt hours. I don't know what you think was sold in 2016 across the whole market in Grid Connected, maybe five thousand maybe ten thousand sales yeah five to ten thousand i probably have to agree with that but um rising sharply in 2017 i suggest i'm with you there what else do you think is going to happen in 2017 well the other thing i probably want to make mention of 2016 is electric vehicles and i guess that's going to be a theme for 2017 perhaps not in australia because we might not see many coming into our market but the other big thing was the unveiling of the um, of the Model 3. And I do mention that because it was actually the most popular story on our website this year, um, Elon Musk signalling the death of the petrol car. Now, that's not going to happen tomorrow or the next year, but it could happen within a decade because what the Model 3 told us, and even though the uh, 60000 price tag on it is far from mass market, it just shows that electric vehicle prices or electric vehicles themselves are incredibly alluring and attractive to consumers, the prices are coming down, and this has been enough to send a signal to all the major car manufacturers in the world to invest billions in new production lines, trying to get the electric vehicle right, trying to come up with that mass market car, and um, I think there's a, you know, there's a big change afoot. You're right, Charles. And just to put some numbers around that, uh, there's 400,000 uh, orders for the Tesla Model 3. Um, that, for that a car that no one's actually about seen yet, <laughs> five hundred and fifty thousand electric vehicles sold in two thousand fifteen, and maybe six hundred and fifty thousand globally, of which about a third's in China, forty and forty percent in China in two thousand sixteen. So that vehicle alone can, which won't be on the market till two thousand and eighteen, can pretty much double sales. But even more exciting, we've got the Chevy Bolt on sale now in the United States, uh, a pretty much equivalent car 
in, in, in price and specification to, to the Tesla Model 3. It's going to be interesting. And look, let's let, let's let's now throw forward to 2017 and look at some of the big themes here. And um, let's stick in the US for for, for just a moment. Um, the Trump um, the, the the Trump administration to me looks like a complete disaster. There seems to be three major qualifications to get a role there: one that you're a climate denier, two that you represent a fossil fuel company, three that you're a billionaire. Um, it all adds up to potentially disastrous for um, certainly President Obama's clean energy plan. Now, there's a big debate about what, how this will actually stop the the march of technology. Um, what worries me, gross, particularly, I think, is one, its potential impact on the global climate effort, but two, also in the shaping of the polit political environment in Australia. Uh, the fact that Trump and his climate deniers are in power in Washington may embolden some of the conservatives in Australia. And um, in Australia in 2016-17, we've actually got quite an important year ahead of us, um, in particular the Frydenberg Review and the, late, the later editions of the, um, of the Finkel Review. That's right. So as far as Trump goes, one, I'm going to make a... 20% bet that he doesn't even get through four years. Um, <laughs> two. Only 20% bet. <laughs> two, I'm going to say it's very hard to put in people to run organisations like the EPA that have no sympathy with it. It's just very hard to run an organisation when everyone there hates you. So that's going to be hard. But if we come back to Australia, the Frydenberg, um, it was nice to see Turnbull committing to the uh, 2017 uh, to review and committing again to the COP21 targets. Um, that's quite optimistic. That requires a carbon reduction of about 28% from 2005 levels, which is a bit over 100 million tonnes of carbon relative to 500 and something that we emit at the moment, or 600 if you account for land use. About 40% of that comes from electricity, so there's going to have to be a lot more uh, work there. But 60% of it comes from things like uh, vehicle emissions and the like, and we're going to need a lot of uh, policies in that area. Australia has no vehicle um, emissions policy, but I've heard Frydenberg say that he wants to have one, and uh, so I'd regard that in itself as a big step forward. And then we get to the state uh, uh, renewables plans, Giles, which I think are pretty important. Yeah, look, that's right. I mean, um, the thing that worries me about the Turnbull and the Frydenberg review is that um, there seems to be no appetite for new policies, but that does underline the importance of the states, as you mentioned, and we're going to start seeing the rollout of the Victorian uh, target, which is for 40% by 2025. Um, that's going to be critical. We're going to see the first reverse auctions being held there, and... Um, one of the encouraging thing is um, the appointment of um, Simon Corbell as renewable energy advocate um, for Victoria, and his role will be very much in sort of framing the policies and giving them advice on the successful reverse auction schemes that the ACT has held over the last year, which is well, the last couple of years actually, and has basically kept the industry afloat. Um, we're also going to see Queensland putting uh, more meat on the bone of its 50% um, target, although it does need to survive an election um, coming up this year. And the Northern Territory has also just announced its panel for its 50% renewable energy target by 2030, which is much smaller in scale, but it's got some very interesting and very progressive um, solar and wind people there. So. All in all, I think the states will probably end up delivering, you know, something north of uh, 10,000 megawatts of wind and solar, presuming that these um, plants actually stay in yeah, place. And that compares with about 1.9 uh, gigawatts of power that was 
sort of committed or started this year. About 0.7 of wind, about half a gigawatt from the arena's PV projects, and about 0.6 from rooftop PV projects. Yeah, look, but we're starting to see some um, some more large-scale building out um, happening now. We're starting to see some people with solar farms um, talking about going merchant and funding the projects themselves because they think the market's so good for them. Um, that's promising. We'll probably see a few more wind projects like that, and that's good as well. And about time too, because we're also hearing from our readers and consumers that they're getting big um, additions on their bill at the moment um, for those who've signed up for green power because... Because nothing's been built over the last couple of years, the green power, the the LGC prices are at about eighty or ninety dollars a megawatt hour, and that's starting to come through to residential bills, and it's not a particularly good look for the uh, green energy industry when uh, people see their, see their bills go up so much um, because of that. Even though the result is because nothing has been built by the uh, retailers, rather than the actual cost of green and solar energy itself, which we've seen and we mentioned before, it has fallen over the past 12 months and David I presume you'd agree that it's probably going to fall further yeah, in the next 12 months. I don't want to get into the blame game of high prices that's that's a dangerous game what I see for the utility industry in 2017 in Australia is if we get one utility scale storage project to FID uh, maybe 100 megawatt hours of uh, household storage and internationally, a million electric vehicles, or at least, uh, I mean, China's looking for 5 million by 2020. Those are three things that would uh, be terrific. And maybe two gigawatts or even three gigawatts of new renewable energy would be in Australia. That would be the help. Hope. Get with it as well and start paving the way to make it easier and less expensive for these technologies to, to do the things that they're good at. Um, anything else on the wish list from you, David? Grid-connected power prices are going to go up because of the closure of Hazelwood. Uh, we're going to see progress on the new transmission line between South Australia and somewhere. And for the renewable industry, that's a, a kind of a contest uh, between whether you want the new opportunities that transmission brings or whether you want to focus on distributed energy. And um, I guess they're the main well, points we're in see Australia outside of the outcome of the Frydenberg review that are going to really matter. And since uh, I, I guess if we want some consensus, it'd be nice to see some of the state oppositions uh, get behind uh, uh, these renewable targets in, in, in the same way that actually the ACT government did. Only, I suspect, when they accept and realise that it's actually a good outcome for the consumer and possibly a good outcome for the politician as well. But look, David, thank you very much um, for this and the previous podcast that we've done. And I look forward to doing more in 2017 and just like to wish you um, all the best for the season and a safe um, holiday period and to um, the listeners as well. Giles, I'll echo those sentiments and uh, I'm going to add what a great job you've done for here at Renew Economy this year. That's too kind. Thanks very much, David. Bye-bye.